Hey everyone, welcome to the Desuckify Work podcast. Today I'm speaking with Chris Dyer, a company culture and remote work expert. He's also a former CEO who has managed thousands of people. His company's frequently showing up on the best places to work lists. So he knows of what he speaks. Speaking of speaking, Chris is also a renowned speaker, sharing inspiring stories about leadership with audiences around the world. During our conversation, we really dig into culture. Specifically, we talk about Chris's seven pillars of company culture, outlined in detail in the second edition of his book, The Power of Company Culture, which comes out next week, by the way. We talk about how companies should focus on what's working and do more of it, and how surprisingly rare that behavior actually is. We talk about the importance of being transparent about our goals within an organization, and how most of us have no clue what others really want most of the time. And we talk about the value of measuring what we want to see more of, which made me realize how often I never really knew what my employers were measuring throughout my career and how that was probably less than ideal. You know who is pretty darned ideal? Chris Dyer. And here he is. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Desuckify Work Podcast. Today, our guest is Chris Dyer. Chris, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you here. Um, I know some people may be familiar with you, but for those who aren't, I'd love to start with just giving you a chance to, to talk a little bit about what you're currently doing and what you're most excited about these days, and maybe a little bit about how you got here. Well, I think probably the best way to maybe frame who I am is I like to tell stories and I like to empower companies to improve their culture. And so I love the name of your podcast, the Desuckify. I often say, you know, work shouldn't suck. Your, your people mm-hmm. should enjoy work. Leaders should enjoy being at work and managing their people. And, you know, uh, it, it shouldn't just be left to one or two people to <clears throat> maybe mm-hmm. enjoy the company. So my work is really focused on how do I go in there and create impact and change? Sometimes that's through speaking. Sometimes that's through trainings or webinars. Mm-hmm. Um, I write, excuse me, I write books. And I'm just trying to deliver that message. It was a mm-hmm. something that I discovered in my own journey as I owned companies that mm-hmm. the culture I thought we had and the, where I thought we could be, we had hit a ceiling that we didn't need to hit. Mm-hmm. And I could make it a million times better. And once I learned that, once I figured that out, it was almost like, you know, hey, I found this treasure map, everybody, and there's an unlimited amount of gold over here. If you just go here and do, you know, follow my instructions and you get the, tre- you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been my work of like, hey, I know the secret. I know what to do now. Come mm-hmm. and join me and ha- have a great company culture. Oh, I like that. And something you said there, I'd, I'd love to, to dive into a little bit is, it sounds like you kind of had this aha moment. You were bumping up against this this ceiling that didn't need to be there. What what helped you recognize that and then ultimately bust through that with some new ideas? Well, like anything, we don't stop and really reflect on what we're doing unless the shit hits the fan. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened in my mm-hmm. world. 2009, major recession, 30% of my clients disappear along with not paying their bills. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it was like, oh, wow. Okay. And so I realized not only could we survive, but we would survive this, but we had to change. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of one of those moments where I go, well, if we're going to change, if we're going to do things differently around here, 
let's do it like really, really well. Mm -hmm. And that led me to my first epiphany, which was, it isn't clear on what you're supposed to do. When you start asking people, there is, I mean, they give you like general, there's general, you know, leadership Mm -hmm. advice out there that's been around forever. Mm -hmm. But I said, okay, I'm going to change my culture. What am I supposed to change it to? What is it? What, Mm. What is the... What's the what's the finish line? And I got blank stares and mm-hmm. no one had an answer for me. Hmm. And so that set me off on this journey to read every book, talk to every you know leader that I could talk to who I respected or I thought was doing something amazing. Mm-hmm. And and just trying to get data points, right? No, yep. no answers, but just like listen and be open to anything. And and very quickly, it was pretty obvious that there were very specific things I was supposed to be doing. Mm. right that great companies do and you know of course they're not actively telling everybody the cool stuff and there's a few and most of them are just doing it and like not really sharing yeah that's a competitive advantage right it is it's and it's interesting because um we do hear a lot of the we know it's broken conversation and i think like you said there's the broad like it, we got to fix culture we got to empower leaders but i like the notion of being really clear and very specific of like, what do we actually do? Like, what does that look like? So um, as you did this kind of almost sounds like like a listening tour, right? You were just kind of like asking everybody and going, feed the machine, give me stuff to think about. Was there anything specific that you can remember that really stood out to you as like, oh, this is like a powerful change and one that was maybe not so complicated that you were like, I can just start doing this. Did anything like that show up for you? Absolutely. So the first sort of really big thing that happened that I realized I was on the right track and that there was wisdom out there hidden, right? Mm -hmm. I had always had this conflict in me and I didn't know what the conflict, where it came from or why it was there, but I was always at odds kind of with this idea of working on the things that I wasn't good at, that I should get mm-hmm. better at. My handwriting sucks and I should work on that. Mm-hmm. And I get impatient with this thing and I should work on it. It was this idea of like, you know, you got to get better at these things that you're not good at. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that comes from school or whatever you got to improve. And, and I get that, right. Like if yeah. you struggle at math, you want to get better at math. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, that concept carries on and you're told this message over and over and over again. Hmm. Right. And you even Hmm. do it in performance reviews. Well, you're not very good at this. You really need to work on that. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. You get better at that. Mm -hmm. And what I found out was, is that was total and complete bullshit. I, I would go and ask these, you know, big, big keynote speakers. They, you know, had five companies worth a gazillion dollars, the most successful people you can think of. And I would say, should I work on my weaknesses? Mm -hmm. And they always said yes, because that is the answer society expects. Yeah. And then I said, but do you do that? Mm. And they always said no. And it was oh. like the light bulb went on in their head too. Mm-hmm. Like they, they weren't lying to me the first time. Right. They were just telling me the stock answer. Mm-hmm. And they went, oh, no, I don't. I hmm. have a an assistant for this. And I have this really great person I work with for that. And like, mm-hmm. no, I, actually, I only focus on my strengths. I only do the things that I'm really good at. They give me passion. They give me 
you know, and it's like, okay, and you're this really successful person. So clearly mm -hmm. that is a part of the equation here, mm -hmm. right? Ab about focusing on what you're good at. Hmm. Over time, what I learned was that those people did as much of that as they could when they were starting out. But as they got more and more successful, the flow for them was to do more and more and more of what they were really great at. And that's why they went from being, you know, good to mm -hmm. great, to really successful, to mm -hmm. ultra successful, because the more money they had and the more success they had, the more they could just get people to do all of the things right. they're not good at or that doesn't give them energy. Wow. God, it's, it's, it's like when you say it, it sounds so simple, right? And I think that's sort of the beauty of it, because once you recognize it, you can go, okay, let's, let's do this. But, but like you said, even for those really successful people, they may have spent 30 years believing that they had to work on these things, even though some part of them was telling them to focus on their strengths, they still felt like that was it. Like, you know, I got to work on the things that I'm not that good at because I need to, I need to be better at everything. But they had this something in them that sort of said, don't listen to that voice in your head and go after the things yeah. that you're actually good at. And when, when you work with companies or, or whether you're, you know, you're giving your keynotes, is there, is that the story or is there anything below that that says, how can you actually do that? How do you get people to really focus yeah. on everybody's strengths? Well, so there's a lot of different ways to approach this. We can look mm -hmm. at it through the lens of Gallup and Strengths Finders, which is a, mm -hmm. a good one to look at. Yep. I think uh, Patrick Lencioni's The Six uh, Geniuses at Work is actually mm. a better okay. framework because mm -hmm. it kind of breaks it up into like, we all have, there's these six things and mm -hmm. you're pretty much good at two, you're okay at two, and you're really terrible and hate these other two. Mm -hmm. And so they're the same for all six of the same, the same, like part of the process of the getting stuff done for everyone. Whereas strength finders is like 34 or 30. I don't know. There's a mm -hmm. lot of strengths. And so yeah. you could, you could have five and I don't even have a single one that's the same as you. And mm -hmm. so it's like, it's hard to like, how do we, how do we what's connect the or what, what's yeah. the language? And like, yeah. it's, it's, I think it's, but it is really good for a lot. I think giving people deeper understanding of wh what their strengths are. Right. And so mm -hmm. they can, they can channel that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, when we go in, I'll tell you every time someone says, you know, that team over there, they've got it going on. I'll go over and survey them. I'll go over and talk to them. And I find they've got the right mixture of people, whether mm -hmm. that was intentional or mm -hmm. unintentional, mm -hmm. and they've got a great leader, mm -hmm. right? And you go over this other group that's really struggling bad leader is is the number one characteristic but not always sometimes yeah. the mix of people you have way too many doers in that group and mm -hmm. not enough people who are the cheerleaders and in, in, yeah. in uh, Lincioni's thing it's the galvanizers you don't have enough people who are there to get people motivated mm -hmm. um sometimes there's nobody in the group whose job it is to just come up with new ideas you have a mm -hmm. bunch of people who are executors yep. but not idea people mm -hmm. right? And so they're like, give, tell me what to do. I'll go do it. I'll run hard, but I'm not an ideal person. Yep. Right. And so often team creation and team functioning is so important and it's ignored. Yeah. It, it, we look at the resume and go, this person has the right, mm -hmm. you know, degree. They've had the right experience. And I seem to get along with them on in the interview. You're hired. Yep. And 
what we usually do is end up hiring someone just like all the other people in that group because we know how to manage them. They feel comfortable to us. Mm -hmm. And what we need is somebody like totally different. Yeah. Right. In that group. So that's sometimes some of the easy way to get people just to start thinking about how do we start reconfiguring this a little bit to make it Mm -hmm. a little, how we tinker a little bit to make it better. Yeah. I, I love that. I mean, again, it, once you say it, you know, your, your brain goes, well, of course we should do that. But I think back to my experiences as a leader and there are times where team was humming. We were great. One person left, brought somebody else in and it wasn't as great. And I think at the time I just wasn't connecting to that thought clearly, you know, that, Mm -hmm. you know, I brought in somebody who was good, but they weren't necessarily the right kind of good. You know, because what we lost was, like you said, sort of a galvanizer. And I brought in an idea person and I already had three other idea people. And so we had no galvanizers and we were still kind of low on executors and it all like it's so it's so clear once you see it. Do you do you find when you bring this kind of information to people that one, they they get it in that same way and that they're eager to implement it or is there any resistance? Usually when we talk about it this way, it's there's no group, there's no person who's bad. It's not like you're as a right. wing. We're talking about where are you in this process? Where do you feel good? Where do you feel strong? Mm-hmm. I have sometimes people who are a little bit less self-aware who say, mm-hmm. I'm good at all of those things or I'm bad at all of those things. And you're just mm-hmm. like, you can't be good or bad at all of them. Like, yeah. you got to be enough self-aware to figure out which ones, you know, are me. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got an assessment you can take and all that. But usually if I just tell people what the six things are, they, oh yeah, Raise their hands. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they know, right. Yeah. They know. Um, and so that, that, that's important. Now that's mm-hmm. just in like team structure. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about culture. Mm-hmm. It's really up to the leader. And so ultimately it should be the CEO, the business owner who should be creating and, and, and really fostering this overarching culture. But the larger the organization, it's now on that independent manager or leader to also either mirror that or if there's a lack of leadership and a lack of culture to create their own subculture to protect their Mm. people. Mm -hmm. And that's why you've ever had that like great boss at a really crappy company and you stick around for a long time because they were great boss or great to work with. Mm -hmm. The moment you stepped out of that circle, it was absolute trauma. But like, you know, when you were in there for most of the time, you were happy doing your job. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what culture can do. Now, mm-hmm. we want it to be big and overarching. We mm-hmm. don't want subcultures. But that's if you're a leader in the middle of an organization, you say, what the heck can I do? You can mm-hmm. do something by creating yeah. a really good culture for your people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an interesting dynamic, right? Because I think you can feel a little bit disempowered if you're in a big company and you think the, the weight of the culture that's coming down on you can feel heavy. So I think the idea that you can find a way to create a little bit of a, a culture bubble in a tough organization and find a way to help your team thrive and get excited about coming into work despite all that is great. Um, and then I think when, when you have the whole company whose culture is struggling, it can feel like a Herculean task. Like, have you, have you had an opportunity to work with a pretty large organization? And if so, how do you, how do you start to turn that ship from a cultural standpoint? Cause that I think about that and I think, I don't even know where to start. You know, have you had yeah. that opportunity and what, what yeah. to be successful? 
So again, it has to be something that the top of the top leadership is behind and willing to say, hey, be honest and say, this is where we think we're having a problem. Now, mm -hmm. generally they come to me and they say, this is the problem we're having. And then I mm -hmm. can go back and I can figure out where that's starting. Yeah. Right. But And, and so we use my seven pillars of culture to mm -hmm. examine that, to say, here are the seven things you've got to be doing really well. Which one of these are you not doing or you're not doing well? And that's typically causing then the symptoms that we're seeing, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. we're having high turnover. We're not keeping our best talent. We're, you know, whatever that thing is, you know, we're not mm -hmm. meeting deadlines. We're not getting things done, whatever it is, yeah. you know, but, and we can generally go back and pinpoint it to, it's usually more than one, but a few yeah. of these pillars are just not being thought about. They're not being executed. And so it begins to cause this rotting mm. in the organization, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like if you, if, I don't want to get into home too much in home improvement, but you have an old wood deck in the back and you never put anything on it. Mm -hmm. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse until it just crumbles apart, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there are things you can do to make that last. There are things mm -hmm. you can you know, extend the life of that beautiful wood porch you probably paid a gazillion dollars for 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Um, and that's the same thing with culture. You know, no mm -hmm. people don't last forever. Things change. We're going to, you know, but we can make it really, we can really improve it. So mm -hmm. I would say probably the biggest area that I see companies failing at mm -hmm is transparency. Mm -hmm. So there is radical transparency that you can do. And I, mm -hmm. I practice this. A lot of companies, when I tell them all the stuff that I did, they go, whoa, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and they have to decide what's best for them and how much they're willing to be transparent. But I'll give you a mm -hmm. couple examples. Okay. And, and, and what's funny is that some public companies actually do some of this because they're mandated to do it because they're right. a public company. Mm -hmm. But so we started openly sharing our PL. And in mm. fact, we gave people education, financial education on how to do it. And I, this comes from Jack Stack's book, uh, The Great Game of Business, mm. where he talked about how transparency was their single most important thing that they did. And I had an opportunity to meet him and have this conversation. And that was nice. how I kind of developed. This was the, one of the pillars. Mm -hmm. But when I started sharing with people how we spent the money, what we spent it on, what our expenses were, all of a sudden, people's ideas got a lot better. Hmm. Interesting. In, the, whole, the fear is, well, if they know how much money we make, they're all just going to ask for a raise. They're all going to ask for more money. They're all yeah. going to want more budgets. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That never happened. No wow. one ever said, you know, last month on the call, you know, you said our profitability was good. I want to raise. Mm -hmm. I never had a single person ever say that. It was always, mm -hmm. you know, they wanted a race for whatever their reasons were. They thought they did. But it was never, well, I saw there's a little extra money in the mm -hmm. bank account this month. Mm -hmm. I want it. Never. Mm -hmm. That's always the fear we have as, as CEOs. Yeah. Um, and so they started telling me, hey, I noticed we're spending money over here. Like, do you know there's this other solution, this other thing we could do? And I'm no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go find that out, right? Mm -hmm. Or, geez, I noticed we're spending a lot on this. Maybe we should go back and do like an RFP or we should go back and like see if we can get discounts or put more of our work into one vendor and see if we can get a discount. I mean, they mm -hmm. were just coming up with this stuff, right? Wow, yeah. And we got, we doubled our profitability, um, which is just big, right? Yeah. 
um, we started sharing what every department's goals were with everybody. Hmm. Right? What were the big department goals? So everyone knew what sales, what their goal was. Everyone knew what mm -hmm. customer services, you know, team goal was. What was marketing's mm -hmm. goal? And that we we found was that sometimes, you know, like if sales, if their goal is to reach, you know, this whatever to to sell this much stuff, mm -hmm. and marketing's goal is to do a total rebrand this year. Yep. That doesn't go together. Right. <laughs> right. We're going to sell more things than ever. And we're going to totally confuse the marketplace by rebranding mm -hmm. and doing all this stuff. Okay. Yeah. We got to get together and find out how we're going to work together. Mm -hmm. Do we need to rebrand? Should we rebrand later? Can we do it in a softer way? You know, is that going to mm -hmm. cause them problems? Yeah. Right. Hmm. Um, you know, so, and then inside of the teams, we made sure that we shared all of the goals. So whatever the team leaders goals were and whatever their direct reports goals were, they mm -hmm. all knew each other's goals. Hmm. That creates fairness, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. That create we again we're making sure that somebody else isn't if like set up to fail. Like, like if this person meets their goals, there's no way this person can meet their goals. Mm -hmm. Right? Why do we want yeah. to set people up for to fight in it for failure? We want to set them up to be aligned and to work together. Yeah, I mean, God, I mean, as you say these things. I'm having flashbacks to points in my career, and I'm sure people who, who will hear this will have the same thing, because one of the biggest challenges I find in any organization, but particularly ones where there's at least a decent amount of different departments, is there is a complete lack of awareness of what their goals are, what they're aiming for. And so we, we make the assumption often that either, well, surely they must want the same thing I do, or they want something and it's clearly to like ruin my life because when their yeah. goal butts up against my goal, it just seems like the, the only thing going on here is they're trying to stymie me. And obviously that's not true. That's like 99.9% .9 of people have no interest in doing that, but that's how it shows up, right? So mm -hmm. um, I think when you bring in that transparency, you're obviously, you're giving people the ability to understand. And then I think one of your other cultural touch points is this idea around a positive attitude towards problem solving, which I think if you keep that positive mindset towards this stuff, it's, it's a, it encourages a culture of wanting to help the others figure things out or help the whole group figure things out versus what people are afraid of, which is the pointing fingers or how come they get to do that yeah. and they get to do that, which honestly, that's what happens when you don't have transparency, I right. think. So, um, when you walk into a company and you start suggesting these things, um, how, do, how do you, what is the, the most successful way that you've been able to get them to sort of have that aha moment and go, I see, I can do this, I should do this, and I can imagine this is going to help my company? Yeah. So if we identify that they're having a particular area that they're really struggling in and they're seeing pain from that, mm -hmm. right? And now they've brought me in they're willing to do or try something mm -hmm. before they kick me out the door and tell me I'm I've, I've lost my, you know, yep. my sanity. Mm -hmm. So usually what I'll do is try to get them comfortable by having that conversation with something. So let's say it's transparency mm -hmm. and let's say that everyone's goals are not aligned. We know that. So will they take that step to share right goals with everyone and mm -hmm. internal goals on the team 
will they take that step and then see what difference that made and see mm-hmm. how people reacted and just mm-hmm. get them to, to, to try it, to feel it. Right. And then usually they kind of go, Oh, we got such a positive reaction from that. People were so happy. People were realized that they needed to work differently with different. And then all of a sudden they get a little hooked. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. The hard one is the PL stuff. And that's only mm-hmm. for the bravest of the brave. Yep. But there's so many other ways and for them to really try to think about, you know, sharing. Mm-hmm. Now, you 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 mentioned the positive leadership, and that's really for anyone that doesn't under, know that concept. It, it's focusing on what's working first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, there are things we have to improve. Yes, there are places we're not, you know, doing our best. Mm-hmm. But the first thing we should be talking about is what's working. Yeah. Where are we winning? Mm-hmm. You know, celebrating that and making that a part of the conversation so people feel good about mm-hmm. the work that they're doing yeah. and that we think about doing more of that work. Nothing drives me more crazy. <laughs> like I'll sit in marketing and they're like, well, I, I'll say, well, what's working? And they're like, oh, well, we're just, we're killing it by selling to this particular whatever, whatever. But we really got to work on this one over here. We're getting no yeah. traction on this. And I go, why do you want to spend another dollar on that? Mm-hmm. It's not working. Mm-hmm. Oh, but we can, we'll just figure it out. So you're telling me this one over here is like killing yeah. it. And if we spent mm-hmm. more money, we would make, and they're like, oh yeah, the more dollars we put it. Mm. Stop. Yeah. Like, again, this is that whole idea. Like I have to be good at everything, right? Yeah. All of these campaigns have to work. All of these things mm-hmm. have to be great. No. Mm. What's working? Can we do more? Are there areas we could try to improve? Sure. But if we're sucking at something, stop doing it. Yeah. Right. Well, it's I mean, it's it's perfectly aligned with your discussion around building teams and 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 how each person has certain strengths and and all like all this stuff sort of connects, right? We 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 have strengths, and don't you want to lean into your strengths as an individual? And then at a team level, and ultimately all the way up to an organization level, that seems to make sense, right? Um, right. And and again, I you know I come from the world of advertising. I think maybe it's because there's this creative mindset or something, but there's always this desire to want to do the new thing, the other thing. Um, we're missing out on this thing. Um, and that just creates this culture of chasing, right? It's chase that thing, chase that thing, even though we might be really, really, really good at something. Um, what What is a good way to to help people sort of tame that chasing beast and, and allow them to see that, digging in more to what they're really good at is ultimately where the success lies. Well, I would ask two questions in that example. So if I came into a company and they said, we're worried that everyone's always trying to chase the next thing, mm-hmm. we need to figure out if that's a good thing or a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? If, if chasing the next big thing is generally the right move for that company, but it mm-hmm. comes with a little bit too much, so sort of a, you know, we're overdoing it a little bit, that's a yeah. different issue than, we're always chasing the next thing and we're wasting all of our money and we never mm-hmm. really use it anyways. And yep. so we got to figure out that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, you know, because it could be a great thing. Mm-hmm. Those kind of thinkers could be exactly what we need, especially in advertising, right? What's the, yeah. you know, if today, if this year's color, this month's color is red and we're putting everything in blue, we better hurry up and change if that's what's yeah. getting everyone's attention. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is probably going to help for a lot of the things that people might be dealing with. And that Mm -hmm. is to go to the pillar of measurement. Mm. So what you measure and what you focus on grows. Mm -hmm. 
So if you are concerned that something is happening in the organization, let's say we're worried about people not cooperating. There's like no cooperation in the company. Yeah, I guarantee if I go back and look at what they're measuring, they're measuring that who's getting ahead, who's getting their tasks done, it's mm -hmm. all the individual's performance, mm -hmm. right? There's no measurement of how did the team do? There's no measurement of did you help another person in the company? Did you mm -hmm. do something to, to, you know, in an altruistic way? Yep. When we start measuring things that matter to us, so if mm. we want cooperation, we have to start measuring cooperation. We have to start putting that into our conversations, into our reviews, mm -hmm. right? Uh, magically, when we're sending the signal to people that this matters, people like us, a mm -hmm. cultural norm for us is that we help each other. Yeah. That we're anyone is willing to do a five minute favor for anybody here, mm -hmm. right? And we're we're not, but if that's the kind of company we are, then you got to reinforce it because other kinds of companies, mm -hmm. it's all about you know who gets to the top. It's you know you mm -hmm. you grind your way up, and anybody who doesn't get there, oh well, take them out. Yep. Yeah. And if that's if that's the kind of company you want, that's okay. Yeah. That there are a lot of those high pressure cutthroat, and I'm not saying I'm against that. I'm just saying as long as you know who you are, and if that's mm -hmm. what you want, and that's getting you the benefit you or the output you want, fine. Mm -hmm. But don't come back and say, but no one gets along and no one cooperates, <laughs> and there's all this backstabbing. We're like, well, that's the symptom of what you've created. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think some of that just comes down to sort of a, a cultural self awareness, right? Sometimes people don't realize who they really are. Um, and then they're reading all this stuff out there that says people should be collaborating more, cooperating more, doing this, but yet they've built their culture on a foundation of like, you know, boiler room kind of mentality where it is all about like, you know, the bottom people just constantly keep getting cut off. Um, so I think there's some of that. And then I think when you talk about measurement, something that comes up a lot when we talk about culture, and I think, I think I've seen you mention it too, is one of the things that can happen when you improve culture is an improvement in productivity. And I, when I link productivity to measurement because ultimately I need to know what productivity looks like. And I think that's a real big failure in a lot of companies. I certainly think in the advertising space, I'm not sure what productivity actually means. When I walk into an ad agency, if you tell me, were you productive this year? It's like, well, I, I got 120 creative briefs and I created good work for all of them. Yes, I was I was productive. On the flip side, I could say, well, I had 120 creative briefs. I did good work for all of them, but I sold zero. Somewhere, somewhere in there lies productivity, and there might be other measurements, but I don't think it's ever really communicated. It's just mm -hmm. take the brief, give, give me some good work. Hopefully, we'll sell something, and we move on. How do you help companies figure out the best way to measure productivity? What does that look like? Well, I would go back and say, tell me, tell me about who your most productive person is and why, mm -hmm. right? What does that look like to them? What, what is, the, what is their definition? Mm -hmm. Because I, I hear your, your example. And I would say as their boss, without knowing more, I don't want 120. I'd rather, I mean, if they did five mm -hmm. and they were done so well that we sold all five, well, you did a heck of a lot better than you did mm -hmm. at a, zero out of 120, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, not understanding all the, is it all just a numbers game or whatever? Like, do we slow down and do a better job to get more, to mm -hmm. get more work? Is that product is productivity the win 
Mm-hmm. Or is productivity, or is it like we know it's a total crapshoot? We got to put out 120. We don't know what's going to happen. So mm-hmm. is it about how do we get to 150? Because mm-hmm. we got to get more out there to potentially get more, you know, those wins. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's about looking at. They might tell me, well, the best person I ever had in this job, you know, they did this, this, and this, mm-hmm. and it could be, well, they spent a part of their time. you know, going to industry events or taking people out to dinner or networking, Mm -hmm. maybe they created more relationships to Mm -hmm. be able to then make sure that the work that they produced had a better shot. Mm -hmm. So is that productive? Yeah. Right. And and we often think about productivity in the terms of like, you know, Henry Ford Mm -hmm. of putting someone on the assembly line and well, can you punch in 10 widgets versus nine this, this hour and Mm -hmm. that makes you productive. Yeah. If you're on an assembly line, you know, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Can you mm-hmm. do it quickly, safely, without stopping the line? Mm-hmm. And there's all these like clear metrics. Yeah. I, I would say one of the hardest things for me has always been to evaluate productivity in a manager. Mm. Yeah. Because the, their people had specific tasks to do. Mm-hmm. But what's productivity for that manager? Mm. Because God knows it's not how many meetings he had or she had, right? It's not that. Yeah. (laughs) But sometimes that's what they think about. How much, how many times Mm -hmm. did I talk to my people and have a meet? No. Mm -hmm. I look at were their people happy? Mm -hmm. You know, did they, did the department reach their goals? Mm -hmm. Right. Did they have, did they create impact? Can I see that they had impact on the organization and their people? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that, but it's still really hard. Yeah. It's messy. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you talked about, you know, the, the different goals that you, you're transparent about, you know, the individual goals, the team goals, the company-wide uh, goals. And I think that connects to some of this too, right? Because a lot of times you might think you're being productive because of what's right in front of you and maybe what your manager thinks you should be doing, but it's actually not aligned with what the company mm-hmm. is is wanting or measuring. And so the more you open that hood up and allow everybody to see it, at least in theory, you can have conversations where it's like, I'm spending 80% of my time doing this, but I see that we're actually trying to accomplish this. Wouldn't it be better if I, if I did this? I mean, do, do you find that happens for people that they recognize that perhaps what they're doing currently isn't actually aligned with what the company is wanting to do? And then the, the team or the individual starts to rethink their goals as a result? Usually after we've done the, hey, let's look at our goals and how do we feel, get that conversation going. The next thing that generally happens is a work mm-hmm. review. Yeah. And because this conversation comes up about, well, we need to be more productive. We need people to work harder. And I will usually put the brakes on that and say, hey, mm-hmm. let's make sure that people are doing the work that we are expecting them to do mm-hmm. at their level, their experience, their pay grade, all of that. Let's go back and look at that. Mm-hmm. Because what usually happens, I'm actually I've never had a time when this didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Is we we'll go in, you pick a team, you pick a leader, and we talk to their people, and I say, "Cool, tell me about an average day. Tell me about an average week. Tell me about an average month. Like, what are the mm-hmm. activities and things you're doing?" Mm-hmm. Sometimes in the average day, we'll pick up things. And the manager will go, "Oh, I didn't know you were doing that every day." Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, I don't. I, I don't need you to do that. Yeah. And they're like, I, oh, really? I don't have to check this thing? No. Okay. And then every week and you find, you know, something. And then every month they're like, oh, and I compile this giant report and I send it over to IT. And the manager goes, 
You're still doing that? <laughs> yeah. From two years ago? Yeah, it's mm -hmm. my job. I sent him over to IT. Mm -hmm. Literally pick up the phone, call IT. Hey, do you guys use that report? No. No. Mm. We don't need it, but we get it. And it's there. And it. Right. <laughs> so we find that there's these activities that they don't need to do. And then we find those activities that they've held on to. They've clutched on because they're like, well, this is a part of my self-worth. Mm -hmm. And I have to validate who I am and that I'm responsible here. But yeah. that person may have gotten promoted or moved up or given more responsibilities. And when they took on something, they didn't shed something. Mm. And so what we find is better alignment to those goals when, when someone says, well, you know what? I shouldn't be doing that thing. You, that's your goal. Your goal is to make sure that part of the company is successful. I should give you that task. Mm -hmm. and I could take this thing over here from this person. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of like realignment of tasks. Mm -hmm. Also, when we look at our strengths too, we might realize some of our tasks are just not suited to us. Yeah. And and what, someone in the group will say, geez, I really hate having to call our reps every month and remind mm -hmm. them to get these reports in. And the other person goes, I love calling the reps. Yeah. Like that's the my best part of my day. Mm -hmm. Well, great. Let's you two switch, mm -hmm. right? You're now yeah. in charge of calling the reps and getting them to the report. And they're happy as can be because they love mm -hmm. talking to the rep, right? Mm -hmm. And I so I, there isn't this intentional review of work. So we mm -hmm. used to do it every month or two, no later than every quarter if we got really busy. And mm -hmm. it was just, I, I would do it with the leader a couple of times. And then mm -hmm. once we did that and they knew what to do, they would do this conversation, they would have this conversation mm -hmm. and just talk about tasks, talk about things that have come in. You know, mm -hmm. they may have lost somebody and somebody else, they hired somebody new. They may need to resituate based on who that new person is, right? To mm -hmm. your point about new person comes in and didn't feel the same. Well, maybe they've got different strengths, right? Yep. So that is generally like, it's like somebody put a little spike the punch at mm -hmm. the company when we do that stuff yeah people get real happy and r really excited mm -hmm. when they are suddenly they had this some work removed and some gain that they really like to do mm -hmm. and, and everyone on their team knows what they do they feel seen they feel heard they feel validated they feel recognized mm -hmm. or if they're a crappy employee who's been hiding for a long time, mm -hmm. that light got shined on them and the boss realized or the team realized, you mm. know what? They're not holding up their weight here. And either yeah. you do something about it to change that or you get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I don't know if this is true in all businesses, but I, I have to imagine it's reasonably common that those exercises just don't happen where you just simply look back and say, what are people doing? What are you doing every day, every week? And some of that may come from not wanting to kind of feel like you're micromanaging. It's like, but that's not the intent that I'm hearing there. The intent there is more, I want to understand if what you're doing is the most effective use of your time, if it's if it's lighting you up, if, if it's stuff that, that you're good at and can get better at, and if it ultimately aligns with our team and our company's goals, um, those simple conversations feel like, um, a lot of the problems that you see in business, and I certainly have seen it in advertising, where I think people just find half, more than half of what they do can feel sort of meaningless. And I think it's as simple as, I don't know why I'm doing it, or if it's even worthwhile. 
So I, I can see a lot of value in that kind of exercise. And, and I think when people think about culture, they're maybe not always thinking about down to that granular level, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I think you, know, you even talked a little bit at the beginning, there's kind of like, we know we need to make changes and da, 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 but you're like, yeah, but what? What are those changes? And I think there's a lot of value in being really prescriptive in saying, here's the thing you can do. Try this, see what happens. Here's another thing you can do. Try this, see what happens. Rather than broadly, your culture is toxic and you need to make it more positive, which people then just go, I'm lost, you know? Right, um, right. You know, you're, you're doing this thing. I've noticed on LinkedIn now, this 31 days of culture and you're talking to all these different people. How How is that going? And what is the, the hope for that exercise in terms of what, what you're bringing to the world with that? Well, uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. I've got another one today. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm just doing it for this month. I'm hoping I don't get in trouble on LinkedIn or whatever, because I'm like creating 31 events, which I'm not sure anyone's ever done that you know, an event right. every day. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really for two reasons. One, there's some really cool people that I whose voices I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. uh, and I want to amplify that and, and their message of things that people I've learned things from people who's I think we're out there doing great work and I want to make sure that we talk about culture and we get that out again, mm -hmm. because there's been this pair, there's been this shift again, right? Maybe a pendulum swing where it was culture and leadership and all of a sudden it was remote work. Yeah. And then, right. Cause of COVID and now mm -hmm. we're going back to culture and I'm going to push it back. I think remote work and hybrid work is still a very important topic and mm -hmm. it's part of the culture topic too, mm -hmm. but we're no longer saying, well, how are we going to work? Mm -hmm. um, but people are going to fight about they're going to come back to the office or not, uh, whatever. But yeah. they've kind of figured out how to get work done, mm -hmm. um, or the or they're bringing someone like me to help them. But you know, we're back to culture. We're back to leaders need help, people mm -hmm. need help, and mm -hmm. I want to amplify that. Now, the the second reason, which is a more selfish reason, is that my book, The Power of Company Culture, the second edition, mm. is coming out on Halloween, October 31st. Oh, awesome. So if anyone's interested, uh, make sure you buy the second edition. It's the one with the orange cover. The one with the yellow cover was the first edition. Oh, cool. Um, Amazon's a little confused about how to display that on there. But <laughs> okay. uh, but I, if anyone's interested and wants to join any of those free events, I'm live on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, X. I can't kind of like call it X. It's so weird now. Twitter, <laughs> um, all that stuff. So, but yeah, it, it's all free. And I just want to kind of amplify that culture voice. I love that. I mean, I think, you know, it, it aligns a little bit of what I'm trying to do here with this podcast and some of the other efforts, because I think, you know, a lot of us may have these ideas around how do we fix things going on at work or specifically culture or, you know, the remote thing, which, you know, is an ongoing thing. If you just go through LinkedIn every day, it's a lot of battle. And I, I, I recommend that people pay attention to some of the stuff you're saying about remote work too, because I think it's really smart. It's really sensible and it's not, um, it's not this kind of dug in like, like stomp feet kind of thing, which is I think what we're seeing on both sides a lot of right now, there's just a very like clear headed perspective on it. Um, but I think the idea of wanting to just amplify good voices on these kind of topics and recognize that like, we all have the power to move the needle to some degree individually, but there's so much power when you start to sort of recruit people to your cause or find somebody who's already doing something you're interested in and go, look at that person, see what they're doing. And, and like, it, it's, it's encouraging. It makes you feel like you're not on an Island when you sit there, maybe in your office one day and you're like, I know this could be better. Oh, look, 
Chris is doing this. TJ's doing this. Chris has 31 people he's talking to this month and they're all doing these things. Maybe I can find some stuff that I can kind of get my, my hooks into personally and find a way to contribute to that area. And I think that in a, in a world where work does feel like it sucks for a lot of people, I think 2023 has been a really hard year. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the economy has kind of gotten into a weird place. I think giving people bites of hope um, and bites of, to your earlier point, things you can actually do, right? Yeah. I can I can listen to what that person says and then I think I can apply it, whether it's in my company, whether it's in my team, whether it's me as an individual. I think all of those things are, are really important. Um, there's one there's one area of culture I wanted to just dive into before we start to maybe wrap things up here because it's one that gets said a lot um, and it's this idea of dealing with failure and you know embracing failure um, I, I think you know the the idea you know you talk about the com a company's approach to missed goals and failure is really critical to their culture and, and I think everybody agrees with that but a lot of people don't quite know how to turn off that human, side of us that hates failure and that wants to point it out and push it down when it shows up. So what is a healthy approach to missed goals and failure within an organization? And how, how do you sort of, how do you encourage people to take that approach versus the sort of scolding approach, which is maybe where we can go sometimes? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a different approach probably every time, but mm -hmm. you know, if we're talking about failure, which is not um, someone made a mistake and it is not an error. So let's take those things and mm -hmm. put them off into their own bucket. We're talking mm -hmm. explicitly about your your goal was to sell a million dollars this mm -hmm. year and you came up at 750. Yep. Right? You you mm -hmm. didn't reach it. You failed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So again, we need to go back to first and foremost to say, well, what worked? Where did you do well? Mm -hmm. Where were you successful? Okay. Mm -hmm. Hopefully there's some answer in there, right? What can we build on? Where do you think that you are can get your need the most amount of support? Mm -hmm. How could I have supported you better? You know, if you had a, asking these questions, if you had a magic wand, what's one thing you would change that's realistic mm -hmm. to help you do your job better? Mm -hmm. I find a lot of times that there are things hidden that are just lurking there that are easy to fix when we ask these questions and we get really curious. And, and we're having this open conversation with somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Now, for any of the naysayers, if if you got a salesperson who did a quarter million and their goal was a million, you're probably going to fire them. And I'm okay with that. And I'm not saying that everyone you have to, you know, mm -hmm. you know, be be super go go lucky positive that everyone gets to just you know yeah. keep trying. No, mm -hmm. we have our standards, and sure. what we're talking about if somebody's close and we think that they are someone who can get there, that can we mm -hmm. can work with, that is willing it to put in that time and effort. Mm -hmm. then, and how do you get curious about what they're doing to find out? I'll mm -hmm. give you an example. I had an employee and we hired her um, from one of our big competitors and she was highly sought after, very mm -hmm. well respected, a lot of experience. Yep. Um, and we validated that she would be really good at her job. Mm -hmm. She came in and she was not good at her job. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. She wanted to be good at her job. Mm -hmm. She had all of, she had the knowledge, she had the effort, I, everything was there. Mm. And I we just couldn't figure it out. And so I, I, we were thinking about firing her. Yeah. And so I went back to her, her boss and said, listen, 
do me, I don't know why, but I just had this thought, go back and get really curious, ask these questions. I said, but go back to the beginning of training mm -hmm. and just make sure we didn't miss anything. Hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. she goes, I, she's like, Chris, I've talked. I, I'm like, just humor me, please. Yeah. Just pretend it's day one and review everything with her. Make sure everything, we didn't miss anything. She said, okay. She called me 30 minutes later and said, I can't believe it. And I go, what? Mm. She goes, we never sent her her second monitor. Oh, geez. I'm like, what? <laughs> she's like, she's been doing this job, which is like, requires all these spreadsheets and all these windows mm -hmm. to be open this highly researching on this tiny little laptop screen oh wow when we she intended on having a one big screen and a second one over here the laptop was just gonna not even gonna be using that screen mm -hmm. and and she's and she just didn't want to rustle any feathers and mm. she didn't ask wow and I go, are you kidding me? It's a hundred. It's a hundred and forty-nine dollar problem on Amazon. So uh -huh. immediately shipped that out as fast as we could. Mm -hmm. Within three weeks, she went from the bottom to the top. Mm. God, it I was just the wrong equipment. Yeah, right? I love that story. I mean, I, 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 I feel that story because sometimes that just happens, and it so sort of makes you cringe because you you feel like how could we, how could we sort of let that happen? But but it happens, and that's. I think I love the word you used a couple of times there, which was get curious. I think there is like exponential value in that if people just take on a curious, curious mindset, because our gut's going to immediately have a reaction. And if you just say, quiet that voice down for a second and get really curious and dig into this for 30 minutes more, see what you uncover, like, if you just did that through an organization, you'd like scrape off so much of that, that bottom mm -hmm. junk that's just sitting there because we just haven't given ourselves permission to be really curious about what's going on. Um, and I think that that also plays back into this notion of if you have a good culture around failure, because that person might be going, I failed. I failed to provide that person that monitor. But if you have a good open culture around that, it's like, okay, you did that. Now you fix that. Now this person's working great. Let's just continue and embrace, embrace that curious mindset going forward. Right. So when these problems pop up, we're inclined to get there maybe a little bit quicker, right? I mean, that, right. that feels like a one of those, you know, as, as someone who's starting to do work as a coach, it's like one of those magical gifts you can just go, consider being curious just a little yeah. bit more. And that person will probably come back to you each week or every other week with something that changed in their in their life or their work because of that gift, right? Um, does that does that yeah. resonate for you as well? Yeah, and you know, from that story, not only did we get curious about that person's work, mm -hmm. but then we got curious about what was broken in our onboarding process that caused this to happen, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. we were really open about saying, "You pick the monitor." You get mm -hmm. whatever you want. We're not going to yeah. dictate to you. You, we, we don't know what size your desk is or what you, mm -hmm. you tell us what you want within this price range and we will get it for you. Mm -hmm. So what happened was that she never picked it or mm -hmm. it got mixed up or whatever. So what we had to do was then say, well, what's our fail safe? If they haven't picked a monitor by this date, then we're going to give them a default monitor. We're going to send yeah. them this one. Mm -hmm. So we don't miss it in the future. Right. Mm -hmm. Then we said, well, why did she never ask? Mm -hmm. 
why did she never feel comfortable enough mm-hmm. to say, I don't, I don't have what I had at my last company or mm-hmm. I don't have the tools I need. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we had to figure that out. Yep. Right. What was mm-hmm. going on with her? She's a very introverted person. She doesn't mm-hmm. like to, you know, wrestle feds, but what could we do in those early 30, 60, 90 day check-ins mm-hmm. to have gotten curious with her and asked her better questions to help pull out anything that she was struggling with. Yeah. Right. And so mm-hmm. we just kept this one thing. We just kept getting curious around all mm-hmm. around it to try to create a, a better system and a better solution for everybody else that came in mm-hmm. right to the company. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that. I think, um, you know, being curious is, is a big part of what I think can make people, um, more successful, whether it's in their role as a leader, whatever. And one thing I'm, I'm very curious about, and, and, and I have my own thoughts and perspectives about, but I'd, yeah, I'd love to get your take on, you know, we, we talk about this, the state of work right now, there's a lot of buzz around that. And I think there's a lot of tension and transformation and destabilization that's going on. But then, you know, I, I listen to a lot of the things you're saying and some others are saying, and, you know, start to think there's a little bit of hope there. How do you feel? I mean, like, are you feeling optimistic about where we can go with this work desuccification project? You know, it it takes us really stepping back mm-hmm. and having to reflect on where we were and where we've come to get a better perspective. Because probably, much like politics, no matter what's going on, it always seems terrible and mm-hmm. it always seems like it could be better. And it yeah. always seems like there's this stuff going on we can't control. Mm-hmm. But if you step back and you say, well, how much better off are we f- from we were five years ago? How mm-hmm. has work changed? Well, yeah. a whole lot of people got democratized the right to work from home some mm-hmm. or all of the day. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We now know that people can do that. And so if someone has a sick, you know, family member or an injury. Mm-hmm. Or whatever the company's not going to freak out and say we can't work anymore. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we'll just work from home. We we, yeah. we know how to do that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's gotten better for the average worker. Mm-hmm. Um, if we look at where we've come from, understanding you know, there are different ways to measure productivity. There's different ways to think about you know who the right people are in a company. I think that's gotten better over the last ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, the amount of uh, people in leadership positions. Uh, you know, women and, and people of color and different that has significantly gotten better in the last 10, 12 years. It's mm-hmm. not anywhere where it, need, where it needs to be, but mm-hmm. has it gotten better? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Is it so you if I step back and say, is it better? Yeah, it's better. And so mm-hmm. that's I think all we can really hope for. Mm-hmm. I remember um a, a gentleman. Uh, th- that I met many, many years ago, and he was probably 91 or something. He was in charge of this group, this volunteer group I was in. And there was something mm-hmm. I didn't like that I wanted to to have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he agreed with me that it should be changed. But I remember he said to me, he said, the wheels of change always grind much slower than you <laughs> want them to. Yeah, very true. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> you know, he's like, listen, we're, it'll change. Mm-hmm. But you just got to be patient. Like it's yeah. just nothing we do is going to make that go any faster. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, 
And that lesson I kind of always took, like I, I can impact change directly to the right. people I manage. I can, I can do a lot to change their lives, but like the future of the desuckification <laughs> of work, I, I don't know. Right. I can do my best to write books and talk and go yeah. on podcasts and spread the word, but like, you know, I might throw in sand into a, you know, a giant, into a black <laughs> hole. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. No, I I think that's a it's a healthy perspective to look back and kind of notice the positive changes that have happened. I think to take the burden off of ourselves that we don't have to like steer the entire ship ourselves. We'll just do our part, and we know we can make our sphere better. Um, and I think there can be a certain amount of belief and hope that that surely that's that's adding some good into the world. And if, if more people, like you talked about, you're talking to 31 people this month and I'm talking to people through this podcast, little bits, little bits change. Surely that's gonna create some kind of progress, but it's not going to be the kind of change we want. Um, you know, I often ask people, if you could wave a magic wand and, and, and make work, you know, better, is there anything that, that, that's on top of your mind that you would think, if we could just add this into the, to the recipe, it would make a big difference. Is there anything top of mind for you there? Yeah, you know, I I really wish this is going to sound like a strange magic wand, but I really wish that people's lives, as far as their overall security and their overall like kind of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Mm-hmm. I wish that that wasn't so directly connected to their employment. Mm. Um, and a lot of countries do this very differently, right? Where like yeah. your healthcare is direct is 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 not connected to your job, right? Yeah. It's not you have to have a job in order to have healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one example. Yeah. Or if you you have a kid, or if you're sick, or whatever, mm-hmm. but there's sa- there's a certain safety net. So mm. I do think that's a big challenge in the United States right now. Yeah. That you see people like I, I see the school district around the corner. I mean, they they'll hire somebody. For three and three quarters hours to come in and work at the school. Right. Why are they doing that? So they don't have to pay for benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you may have a great person who's fantastic with kids, but we can't have them work more than three and three quarters hours because we don't mm-hmm. want to pay for the benefit. And, and and I'm not trying to get into political conversation. I'm just saying if you're magic wanded, I would, mm-hmm. whatever that means, I would try to break free mm-hmm. work from people's ability to Survival. be okay. Yeah. Survival, right? Yeah. And and no, whatever that, that system is, and maybe it's different than what it is in, in Scandinavia or right. whatever, I'm not fine, but like I just wish it was separate. Yeah. So that uh, it wouldn't be that that issue. And what why does companies have to deal with that? I mean, you could flip the other way. Why is it their burden, right? They want to go no. run their companies. It's ridiculous. It's, it's yes. a weird, like uh archaic bit from like something that happened back in like the 40s, right? Where it was like a way of like like you couldn't give raises because there was a raise freeze or something like that. So they started giving healthcare to, to attract employees. It was like a weird little thing that now is stuck. I, I think, yeah, I, I don't think we need to, to go too deep into politics, but I do think your broader point, you know, particularly when you think about people who are wanting to be more entrepreneurial and like all these, these minds who have the potential, you know, to do great things. And if you don't have that financial security, mm-hmm. think of all the wasted possibility that we're just leaving on the floor because because nobody's able to step into those opportunities because they're just frankly too scared because there's not even a, a little safety net so I, I totally feel that um 
One last question, which I ask a lot of people, and you know, if you're game for it, I'd love it. I, I, I'm really a big fan of making work fun, right? I, I think um, it, it just certainly in the world I come from, it's really hard to be creative if you're not having fun and being playful. And one of the things I've been doing to have fun with this podcast is just injecting these goofy sound effects in the beginning and the end of mine. It's, it's mostly cat sounds. I've actually started recording our cats just to get them in there. But I've also asked people who come on the show if they're game for it. You have any kind of fun, goofy sound effect that you'd want to add to the library and I'll find a way to sneak it into our episode. Are you, are you up for it? <laughs> a sneaky, <laughs> a funny sound. It won't be a cat sound. I'm more of a dog person. Okay. Um, I don't know. Let's see. You know, my grandpa used to always do that thing with his finger and his cheek out on that little pop that. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> we'll get it one more time clean. <laughs> oh, I, used to, I used to love doing that as a kid yeah it's so funny i know it's silly but i think one of the things that happens when we feel all this stress around work is that the fun closes in on us and we don't have as much fun and then the work gets worse and then it has this snowball effect so the more we can just give people permission to be like have fun bring yourself a little bit more into the workspace yeah. and just have fun with it i think it's it's a little better um before we, we we sign off i know we've talked a little bit about the 31 days of culture on linkedin anywhere else and the book anywhere else that you want people to try to track you down and feel free to repeat any of that stuff we talked about sure well they can go to chrisdyer.com if they want to learn more there um mm -hmm. certainly i'm happy to connect with anybody on linkedin or any of the other social platforms where they think it's appropriate Mm -hmm. I do a lot of content on TikTok and on Instagram Reels. So if you're interested mm -hmm. in following me there, just to see whatever things I'm talking about in one to three minute formats. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, so happy to to do that. Uh, but I think the most important thing is if they are looking for someone to come in and talk to their team to mm -hmm. help work with their company, I would love the opportunity to to speak with them. Yeah, I think I don't think people could go wrong if they did that, Chris. I mean, just hearing, you know an hour's worth of what you can bring to the table, I think it would be a huge value for just about any company. So I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing uh, the, the wisdom that you have, Chris, and I hope people do take a chance to follow you, read your book, uh, pay attention to the 31 days of culture and all that good stuff. So thanks for coming on, Chris. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks everyone for listening to the Desuckify Work podcast. And thanks to Chris for being an engaging and enlightening guest. You can follow Chris on LinkedIn and check out his 31 Days of Culture, a conversation each day with some of the best culture desuckifiers out there. You can also find Chris at chrisdyer.com. And you should absolutely pre-order the second edition of his book, The Power of Company Culture, right now. I'll stop talking now so you can go do that. Bye, everyone.